0: episode 101 of the Bivin James R show self efficacy Rightio team, welcome along to episode 101 of the Bevan James. I'll show your Fortnightly podcast on the behaviors that create a lifetime love of exercise so you can have all the benefits that go alongside it. Well, I have to say I'm pretty excited to be here today. It's episode 101 and it's uh it's all go in my life right now. Of um of uh yeah, I talked to you guys a little bit about releasing my new product, My 5K Dream, in the last episode. And uh, we haven't actually released the product yet. We're kind of about three weeks away from where we're going to release the product. We're kind of letting the world know about it. And it's been really fascinating because we're getting lots and lots of people who are really interested in what we're doing. So if you didn't listen to the last episode and you are kind of wondering what I'm talking about, I've basically created a, a an online course for females between the ages of 35 to 55 to be able to run 5K. And it covers everything, like everything. Because I've, I've had a running group that I've ran for about seven or eight years in Christchurch. And, you know, I've, I've always, you know, and we really target the kind of beginning, so exor- this is totally for a beginning exerciser. So if you're running half marathons, this is not for you. But if you know somebody who's not exercising at all, and you think that, you know, maybe, you know, you know my work and you think this could be something that could help them, let them know about it because I'll let you know actually more about it, the whole product once it's done. But it's it's not just not just some program, that, you know, as in like, here's what you need to do each day. There's kind of everything that i've ever learned in helping these people who are you know new to exercise achieve the goal so i'm pretty excited about that if you do want to check out that out you can go to my5kdream.com and you can get sign up for some more information and uh yeah i'll be releasing in three weeks i'm pretty excited i've worked like an animal to get this product done and you know like i, I wanted to make it great and uh and and i'm um, at this point we're pretty close to getting it finished and i got to say i think i've well I don't want to say it was great but I I think we've created a product that can help people actually achieve the goal it's funny we had some runner the other week come up to me and say how you know she downloaded all these apps in the past and never actually did it and you know doing the running product we have in Christchurch here that she's actually ran 5ks and you know to me as always my measure is do I help people change and that's what this kind of the measure of this product so pretty excited about that what else has been happening in my life I've been traveling like you would never believe in the last three months I've been away from home for about 12 13 times so I'm away next weekend and then I'm home for like a month and I'm pretty much looking forward to it. this year is very much a year of travel for myself so poor me poor me I, you know I'm sure you guys are you know like oh Bev get over it anyway in this week's show I, I admit I was kind of struggling to think about a show my mind's been elsewhere lately and when it comes to putting together this show, what I tend to do is I kind of just are aware of some thoughts that I find interesting over a period of time, and normally it's two weeks. I, I I had gone to the interview model, and I've just been so kind of busy that I haven't been able to arrange interviews recently, and so I need to get back into the interview model because I like bringing kind of different people and different thoughts into what we're doing here on this show, but in the last period of time, I've just been kind of haven't had the time to even arrange interviews, so I just haven't had that time, but... I am going to get back to that, but normally what I do when I think about the show is I kind of just sit on a thought, and, and something will happen in my life that makes me go, oh, that's an interesting thing to think about, and what I'll do is I'll get my phone out and I'll instantly just write down, you know, think about this, and then over the next period of time i just kind of sit and I kind of, what do I do, I kind of just let it sit in my head and, and allow myself to think through this this thought or this thing that's kind of in my head. And then I try to think about how I can kind of present it as a show and so on and so on. And, uh yeah, and so that's how I normally do a show. But today, I have to admit, I sat down to do the show and I thought, jeepers, creepers, there's not a lot. I haven't done my thought process <laughs> for, for the show today. So I actually got, just went on the internet and I just started reading in some areas that I, you know, I just kind of did some searches for some areas around health and fitness, and I did some areas around kind of mind strategies around health and fitness, and, and a lot of it's stuff I've already read before, but I did kind of find some some work uh, that I thought was kind of interesting, so it's around self oh, I can't say this word, I've, look at this, I keep getting it wrong, look at e- efficacy, I can't say the word, so self-efficacy, oh gee, but I'm terrible, I'm going to do listen, I'm using my computer to remind me, self-efficacy, efficacy Efficacy. So I'm going to say that word quite a few times today, and it might sound funny as I say it, but that's okay. It's how we roll sometimes on the show. So it's a little bit around this, and uh, and as I read up on it, I thought, wow, this is really good research, and it's probably an area that we could all talk about. So, and today's the gist of today's show. I'm going to be talking about. Listen to this, Here's my computer. Self efficacy. There we go. I'm getting it. Uh, and uh, that's going to be the main gist of today's show. Just on the side note, one thing I have been doing. As my partner and my wife, I'm getting used to saying my wife with Joe. Uh, we are going to be aiming to do the New York Marathon in 2018, and so I've started training to get. So one thing you can do with the New York Marathon is you can kind of go into the lottery, uh, which means you've got a chance getting in, but it's not guaranteed. You could pay for a tourist package, which means you're guaranteed an entry, but it does come at a higher cost. Or you can qualify, and qualifying is for people of a certain speed and you have to be an, a, a pretty good runner to be able to qualify. So for someone of my age, they need to be running about, about, I think it's about 255 marathon to get the qualification spot, which means, you know, you you guaranteed your entry and it's probably slightly cheaper than doing the tourist package. And so luckily for Joe and myself, we're fit and trained we're of the ability where we could probably both of us qualify to be able to do the New York Marathon. So, this year, our goal at some stage this year is to do the, a marathon to be able to qualify for the marathon. And uh, one thing I've been really kind of focused on for me this time, and, and, and I think this is something that for those of you who have exercised a lot in the past, it's you know, for the newer exercises, this may be not so much of a thing, but for those who have exercised in the past, and you've, you know, it was interesting, I, I took a running technique course the other day, and within that running technique course, I had a lady who had a, an Olympics tattoo on, and uh, had Olympics, you know, she was a little bit older, so I think had 1976 within the tattoo, so it, like, I had this, the, you know, the circles of the Olympics, and had 1976 and wherever those games were, and, uh, and I went up to her after her and I said, wow, did you go to the Olympics? And she was like, yeah, and she went to the 800 metres and running for the Olympics, so that's, you know, one thing we forget when we watch the Olympics is how impressive it is to just get to the Olympics, you know, to be the best in your local area is an amazing thing, now I didn't actually ask how she went at the Olympics, but if I see someone who's been to the Olympics, man, I have total respect for them, because I'm just like, man, these people are phenomenal, so Kind of just spoke to this lady and I kind of just said, "Look, you know, um, tell me about it." And she was saying, "You know, I did it in '76 and so on and so on." But she said she's just got back into running, and she found that when she got back into running, she just went a little bit too fast, too early, and got injured. And she's she was probably, I don't know, somewhere in the late fifties. So you know, that's not wise <laughs> at this stage in life. And it's one of the things that those who exercise do is they often go into a new challenge with a bit too much vigour and a bit too much. Um, intensity and i know for me that's always a bit of a common fault for myself with my running I, i tend to kind of get so much along the path of running and then i kind of get a little bit injured and so this time with my goal i'm aiming to do probably the sydney marathon it's not confirmed yet but i'm thinking about doing the sydney marathon in september this year and this time with my goal i've gone with a really slow build And I've gone, like literally, I've been running for the last month three times a week, which is not a lot for me, although, you know, I do do a lot of exercise with my job, but three times a week of just running. And I've gone with really easy running. And in doing this, it's really interesting because I love movement. Like, I love movement. And to me, one of the best experiences I can have in my life is that moment when you are just moving in a way where there's a bit of intensity, it's a little bit of a struggle, but you might have some music and you might be in some amazing environment, like exactly actually the other day, although I didn't have the intensity here, the other day I was doing a bit of work in a place called Ohau, which is this kind of ski place outside of Christchurch, maybe two hours outside of Christchurch, and we were leaving at 7.30 in the morning, so I thought I'll get up and go for a run at 5 in the morning, and I went up and I got up for my run, I had to run an hour, so I got up and went for my run, pitch black, so there's no streetlights, there's nothing, pitch black, stars everywhere, I've got mountains beside me, uh, this awesome lake beside me, and I'm just running along, and I'm listening to the soundtrack of Hamilton, which is my kind of, my favourite music right now, and I'm just, I just feel alive. And to me, that's one of the best things about movement, we can talk about benefits and all those types of things, but to me, one of the best things about movement is you, you feel alive when you're moving, and especially if you can enhance the things that are going to make you feel alive as you move. So for me, it's being in that. you know, like, Seriously, I, I had a moment where I was like, hold this moment forever in your experience. And I looked up, and I don't know if you've had the, the experience to be in a place where the stars are, where there's no light pollution. Uh, in your own, And if you live in a city, that you know, often light pollution means you don't see as many stars. But if you go kind of into the wilderness and you've got a clear sky and there's no light pollution, the, the sky is just such a phenomenal thing. So I'm running along. I've got this beautiful lake beside me. You know, just being in nature, just, oh, and I'm running and then I'm listening to this music and I'm just loving this moment. Now, one of the problems for me in that moment is I want to naturally move towards intensity because I just, I'm just emotionally awake, you know, I'm just emotionally kind of driven at this moment and and that's to me one of the, you know, I talk about the benefits of exercise and the esteem and the character and, and the physical and all those types of things, but to me, that moment there is is really one of the most exciting parts of exercise in my life and one of the hard things i need to do at those times especially in this moment where i know i have a history of getting injured because i go a bit too hard too early is controlling that and as i kind of was you know one thing i'm just trying to sit with in myself because in that moment where i'm just loving movement i just want to go harder I just want to pick up my pace, I just want to, because it it makes me feel more alive the faster I go. And it's one thing I'm just trying to train myself on this journey towards qualifying for the New York Marathon, is this whole idea of knowing the objective of the run when it's an easy run. And it's a really important thing to think about when it comes to training, because a lot of people, you know, often when they've got a, a program, they always go too hard and, you know, it's interesting because I know with even my running group, I have a half marathon group, and I do these track sessions that are designed to kind of achieve an outcome for you physically. And and often, you know, sometimes they're not always meant to be hard. There'll be parts of it where you're meant to be running at what you can see your max pace, but then there's parts of it where you're not. And often runners come up to me afterwards and say, oh, I actually went harder in that but thinking I'm going to be happy with them when, and you know, they went harder in the bit when they weren't actually meant to. And they think I'm going to be kind of thinking, oh, good on you because you push harder. And it's like, well... Actually, that wasn't the objective of the session. The objective of the session was for you to go hard in this bit here and then for you to be more steady or even easy in these places here. And so while it's cool that you think you push harder, you may not have got the desired training effect of what you're hoping to get out of that session. And sometimes that's the problem for many of us athletes out there. And one thing, it's easy to kind of remind ourselves of the focus when the intensity is hard or when we're trying to achieve a big thing in our training but also it's really important to remember the objective of the sessions that aren't so hard. And that's what, I, what I'm i really trying to remind myself of because like, I've got a program that I've literally got like an eight month program that I'm working towards right now. And right now, like literally my longest run is an hour 15. And for those who don't exercise, that might seem like a lot. But for those who run a lot, you'll know that an hour 15 is a pretty typical kind of standardized run. It's, it's really not that much. And, you know, like an hour 15, this Friday is my longest run, it's hour 15, and next week I'm having an easy week, so I'm having 45 minute runs, you know, after a week of an hour 15, which is, for somewhat of my ability, is extremely easy. But the one thing I'm having to remind myself as I sit in these runs is, these runs are built for conditioning. It's allowing myself the time and energy to be able to build conditioning into my program so I can be successful as I move throughout the year. And that's what I want, you know, that's one thing just to remind myself to sit in when I'm training. And what's been really good for me is that, you know, I've been running for about five weeks now consistently, not that long at easy paces the whole time and the nice thing is my body is feeling good i'm feeling good that as i build towards intensity which will come and endurance which will come i'm i'm feeling i'm building a much safer foundation so when i get to those moments i'm in a better place so i suppose the point that i'm trying to share with you here today before we kind of kick into the main part of today's show is this whole idea of understanding what the objective of my training is And in some ways that's a bit of a problem for a lot of people because a lot of people just have a routine of exercise So a lot of gym goers have this problem They just do the same thing all the time and you know, there's definitely value It's better than doing nothing But if you're trying to achieve a result or if you're trying to get fitter You probably want to think about your program in a way that does have some ups and downs Some harder bits, some easier bits, you know, some down weeks, some harder weeks, some builds You know, if we periodize your year, you know, those types of sessions are really important And while one thing we wanna think about is having objectives to your sessions. Now, when we think about the objectives of our sessions, obviously in the intense ones, it is about hitting the intensities we want to hit. But in the easy ones, it's also just about hitting the easy sessions as well. So I suppose my point here today is, when I train, put an objective to my training. And then really make it your aim to sit on that objective depending on what that objective is. Now for me, right now, my objective is to go nice and easy. That's all I need to do because I'm just trying to build a nice base as I move down down the ladder towards this goal. So when you think about how you're exercising right now, are you hitting your objectives? And as an overall, are they a balanced objective that allows you to kind of achieve all the different aspects of what's going to help you achieve the growth that you want? And... When you're not hitting your objectives, either because you're not hitting the intensity you should be hitting or because you're going too hard because it's easy, how can you keep yourself consciously aware that actually this is not what I'm meant to be doing? And that's what I'm doing right now because I I kind of start to creep towards intensity as I'm starting to run along because the music's good and I'm running nature and all that good stuff. And I'm like, Bev, it's a conditioning run. Slow down, stick within this pace, enjoy what you're enjoying, but keep it within the kind of objective of the session. So just some stuff to think about there. Anywho, I'm going to just quickly pull up my patrons of the show. And here are some of the patrons who are patrons of the show. Just remember, if you enjoy my show and you want to help me do what I do, you can become a patron of the show. And that way you're just going to give me... A few dollars every time I release it, so you can choose. It can be a dollar, it can be a thousand dollars. No, no one's done a thousand dollars. It'd be really nice if someone did, but um, and that just goes towards me putting the time and energy and resource into making this show happen. And these are some of the people who are already patrons. And we've got Paula, the powerful Punisher Green, and I actually know Paula really well. And she's a bit of a legend. She's a bit of a rock star. She, uh, in her fiftieth year, she turned fifty last year. She did fifty races in fifty years, which. And this, this included Iron Men and half marathons and marathons and, and half Iron Man. She, she was just an absolute, absolute nut bar. That's why I've called her the Powerful Punisher. We've got Marion Clatt, the Momentum. We've got George, the Wild Boo Baker. We've got Mary, I've Got the Power, because her last name is Power, and Ginger Dave, the Governor, and also the Stark. And it's standards. So if you want to become a patron at chain you also get an amazing nickname like yeah. those nicknames there. And you ultimately you're just supporting me in what I'm doing. So I'm pretty pretty I'm you know what? So as I was kind of talking about earlier in today's show, I kind of was you know, I, I didn't really have my, my 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 plan leading into today's show. And so as I sat down I did some reading on some different areas like I'm gonna give myself a couple hours to kind of Really like the idea of giving yourself time to think. It's it's a bit of a luxury in today's life, but in today's world, because we're all kind of busy. But in doing this, I found this kind of research around self-efficacy, and it's been really interesting. So I suppose let's let's start with how self-efficacy is defined. And basically, psychologist there's a guy by the name of Albert. I'm going to say Bandura, and he seems to be the kind of the forefather of this kind of research. and when he talked about self-efficacy, basically what he's talked about is this whole idea of here's a definition. Psychologists, I've, I've taken a lot of notes here, and so I might be reading a lot today. So just, but there's lots of good stuff in here. So, self-efficacy is defined as one's belief in one's ability to succeed in specific situations or accomplish a task. One's sense of self-efficacy can play a major role in how one approaches goals, tasks, and challenges. And this is a really. A, a, It's interesting when we think about that kind of definition of self-efficacy, isn't it? Like, it's it's really interesting when you look at yourself as a person and you think about when a challenge or, or a specific situation comes up, how do you perceive yourself in that situation? And does that actually move you away from this this thing that you want to be growing, or, or this challenge, or this situation, or does it mean that it moves you towards this? And again, there's going to be a lot of reading today because I kind of took some notes, but basically choices regarding self-efficacy. So basically, people generally avoid tasks where self-efficacy is low, but undertake tasks where self-efficacy is high. So basically, if if you think that, you know, if your self-efficacy in an area is low, you're, you're not actually going to move towards something in your life that maybe add a lot of value to your life. And, and then the way you see yourself, if it's high, then you probably will move towards it. When our self-efficacy is significantly beyond actual ability, this leads to an overestimation of ability to complete tasks. So this is almost the person who's kind of overconfident. And we've all seen those people in our life, haven't we, who who can kind of, you know, I, I, I've actually seen people in my world who are like this. When you, you talk to them, you think they're almost going to be this absolute legend at something. And then when they go to do the thing, they, they may actually be quite incompetent in that area or or not with the ability that puts them in the situation they're in. Going back to what I've written down here. On the other hand, when self-efficacy is significantly lower than actual ability, it discourages growth and skill development. Research shows that the optimal level of self-effic- self-efficacy is slightly above ability. In this situation, people are most encouraged to tackle challenging tasks and gain experience. So, what really what we're saying here is that when it comes to self-efficacy, we don't want it to be lower than our actual ability, and that's a really important thing because if it's lower than our actual ability, then what tends to happen is we will, we will avoid working towards a challenge or, or these situations where we may have to, you know, be growing. Also, we don't want to be significantly higher than our ability. And I think there's one thing that's really coming through here is that you are looking at your ability to determine where your self-efficacy should be and then when you think about this whole idea of self-efficacy and you know where is the optimal level ultimately what we're saying is self-efficacy should be based on slightly above where my current ability is it's really interesting actually you know i've talked a little about my 5k dream the course that we've put together right now and i and i actually paid for a course on how to create online courses and when i when I first bought this course, and it was a very expensive course to buy. so I, I spent quite a bit of money to to do a course on how to do a great online course for my five k dream. And when I first looked into the course, so I, I, I bought the course, I, I invested my money. And when I first looked into the course, I was like, oh my God, this is a lot more work than maybe I thought it would be when I first when I, when I looked into the course. So when I first walked, bought the course, I thought maybe it's two or three months to the product will be ready. But at the same time, you know, and then when I bought the course, I was like, well, wow, this is actually going to take me eight or nine months. And, and realistically, it's probably going to be about nine months. But from, from the moment I bought that course to three weeks from now when we actually released the course. So, you know, but one thing I did do is, is that was a little bit overwhelming when I did that. That was a little bit overwhelming because it was kind of like, oh, this is going to take a lot more time than I originally thought. But within that, when I looked through everything that needed to be done, the the, the, I, the what needed to be done for me was slightly above where I sat with my current skill set. So in creating this course, there were a lot of things that actually I looked at and I thought, you know what, for example, I've created content in the past, I've done writing in the past, graphically there's things I've done in the past. So a lot of it sat within skills where I went, you know what, this is close to what I've done in the past, and some of it was a little bit above that and ultimately as I reflect upon what I'm reading right now this really kind of gave me a level of self-efficacy which was motivated me towards actually taking on this this task because I could I I imagine a lot of people buy this course see what's in there and then think oh you know where their self-efficacy is maybe low they go actually I'm never going to get this done and for me it was like well this is going to be a challenge by all means and I definitely need to lift my game a little bit, but. You know, when I look at the evidence of what I've done, my actual ability and the skills in this area, I, I think I can do this. And that's when we look at the motivation of self-efficacy, what we're saying here, and again, I'll just read this out to you, high self-efficacy can affect motivation in both positive and negative ways. In general, people with high self-efficacy are more likely to make efforts to complete a task and to persist longer at those efforts than those with low self-efficacy. The stronger the self-efficacy or mastery expectations, the more active the efforts. However, those with so low self-efficacy sometimes experience incentive to learn more about an unfamiliar subject where some of so high self-efficacy may not be prepared to, um, for the task as well for the task. So really what we're thinking about here is that with the self-efficacy, it can be really a good motivator for you or it can be one that pulls you away. But where it gets really interesting is basically looking at how our thought patterns are affected by our self-efficacy. So for example, people with low self-efficacy or low self-efficacy can lead to people to believe that tasks can be harder than what they actually are. The result of this is poor task planning as well as increased stress. Now I really like this. This is really interesting, isn't it? And I kinda of, I'm gonna talk a lot about my course creation today because I think it's a it's a good moment for me. It's it's the it's the most topical thing in my life right now that actually kind of applies to this. But you know, as I look at what that statement there I'm gonna read again, low self-efficacy can lead to people to believe that tasks are harder than what they actually are. That's a really interesting thing, isn't it? And as I reflect upon me that moment I bought the course and then kind of realized how much work it was going to be, because I have a good understanding of my ability in the different areas, which gives me a higher self-efficacy in this job, I was able to see what this job was really going to be. I had the ability to go, you know what? This isn't a three month job. It's going to take me nine months. Here's how I need to break it down. So I was able to plan it in a way that was allowing me to see that it was possible. The other thing that allowed me to do was it allowed me to see it in a way where I could, you know, I had the right time frame so I didn't need to be stressed about the workload. Now, in the last nine months, this, you know, I've added pretty much 10 to 15 hours a week on this course into my life. So that's come at a cost to my life. And while that's been a lot of work, I haven't been stressed along the way. And really, this is an interesting statement here. This kind of low self-efficacy can lead to people believing tasks are harder than what they are. And this often results in poor planning, which creates the higher stress. So that person with low self-efficacy may actually think, oh, I need to get done in three months, and then tries to go out and do it, plans poorly, and leads to stress, which may push them away from doing what they are doing. People become erratic and unpredictable when engaging in a task where they have low self-efficacy. It's really interesting, isn't it? And this kind of, again, as we're kind of talking about this again, today I'm just kind of reading stuff out, but I think there's kind of some, as I think about this, think of an area where maybe you don't believe you can do something. When you engage in a task, do you kind of become erratic and unpredictable? And, And if we go back to that last point that we made here: is does that just create more stress? And if that creates more stress, does that push you away from doing the thing that you need to do? People with wide health, oh, sorry, people with high self-efficacy tend to take a wider view of the task in order to determine the best plan. I find this really interesting isn't it because when we think about like if I go back to the experience at the beginning of today's show talking about my my marathon plan now the wider plan is this marathon in New York that I wanted in 2018 and the, the first step along the way is to qualify in Sydney in, in around September and because I feel confident in my ability to be able to achieve this goal as a runner I may have to take that wider approach and in doing that I may have to set up a better plan People who have low self-efficacy. What we're saying here is that they, they often don't determine the best plan, which creates an erratic, unpredictable place, where, which increases their stress, which pushes them away from the way that the place they're trying to be. This is another really good point. Obstacles often stimulate people with high self-efficacy to greater efforts, where someone with low self-efficacy tend to towards discouragement and giving up. And it's interesting as we kind of take a few steps back here You know, what what this is saying is When you've got higher self-efficacy Ultimately obstacles kind of make you lift your game You know, it makes you want to step up makes you want to, you know, here's a challenge, here's where I grow Whereas if you're on the flip side of that It tends to discourage you and make you want to give up But if we take a step back and we look at earlier on and, And the way the different people will approach the task those of higher self-efficacy have a better way to plan in, this, in setting up the tasks. So in my situation, I, obviously I believe I have self higher self-efficacy, and when I bought that course I was like, you know what, I can get this, I can do this, but it's here's a better way of looking at it, I can take that wider approach. And by having that, I've set up a plan, which means there are obstacles along the way, but it's like, oh no, this is a good challenge, I get to grow here, I can make this work. Whereas those with lower self-efficacy, let's say someone bought the same course, they may have thought, I need to get this done in a month, they set up a plan which is going to make them fail, and tend, because they've made it more full of erratic behavior, more unpredictable, more high stress, ultimately they tend to get discouraged and give up. Another area where this is really interesting, you know, it's kind of said loss of control, and, uh, or locus of control, I should say. And Bandera, who did this research, kind of talked about how when we look at the difference between self-efficacy correlates to fundamentally different views of the world. People with high self-efficacy generally believe that they are in control of their lives, that their own actions and decisions will shape their lives, while people with low self-efficacy may see their lives as out of their control. Hmm, that's it's, it's a really interesting thing to kind of understand, isn't it, is that when I have a, a good understanding of my ability, and I have a good understanding of how I can shift that, that means I have a sense of control in my life. Whereas those who maybe don't have good self-efficacy tend to see their life outside of their own control, and and actually when they talk about health choices in this area, it's also really interesting. Uh, if you have better self-efficacy, you see you 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 basically believe that you can create change and you can sit in it for a long period of time, and it is very much that I have the ability to change the behaviours that i'm going to create like if i want to give up smoking i have the ability to be able to make those choices whereas those of low self-efficacy almost it's an external thing that i you know the world won't let me do this you know it's that kind of it's outside of my control so that's really interesting so self-efficacy as i'm talking here today obviously i'm there's kind of lots of interesting thoughts that are coming around in self efficacy and if we kind of just go back to that beginning statement of self-efficacy is one's ability to succeed in a specific situation or one's belief in one's ability to succeed in specific situations or accomplish a task. One sense of self-efficacy plays a major role in achieving goals and so on. So that's that kind of first statement I started with. I suppose if I were to ask you, in the areas of your life you're trying to change, what is your self-efficacy? In your areas of your life you are trying to change what is your self-efficacy? If you are trying to lose weight, do you have low self-efficacy? Does your self-efficacy actually tell you that you don't have the ability? And when you try to, it's actually interesting. I have a a client who I work with a lot and one of the things we often come into is when in the past, when it comes to them trying to create change, if we go back to kind of some of the stuff we already talked about around that planning and how they almost, they're playing poorly, and they'd always try to look for these extreme diets to get them to achieve the goal, which would make them fail, which would kind of reinforce low self-efficacy. And one thing we've got really good with this person is taking that longer approach and that longer kind of win strategy. And then what's happening is that they're learning that, oh, no, I, I have the ability to be able to stay in this place that I'm aiming for for more often in my life. And so it's just really interesting as we go into this. So I suppose as you think about yourself in an area of your life that you're trying to achieve a goal in, do you think you have good self efficacy or do you, or high or do you think you have low? And so so if we start to kind of identify these things, Bandara has some some kind of things that he thinks affects self efficacy, things that he thinks that maybe can help you get better at self-efficacy and some of them go pretty deep so I'm just going to quickly read the four factors that he talks about here the first is experience or inactive attainment so the experience of mastery is the most important factor to determine someone's self-efficacy Experience erases self-efficacy while failure lowers it oh, sorry, success raises while failure lowers it And it's really interesting as you think of the message I've always trying to give you and as, as I you know, especially like newer exercises, is that kind of thing is your job is just to win at the start. Your job is just to win at the start And so many people when they try to be successful in growth Is they set themselves up to fail Probably because they have low self-efficacy And so, you know, if success raises self-efficacy geez, it's, a, it's a tough word for me to say, I can't deny it But if success raises this Then it means I'm going to allow myself to move towards it, it means I'm going to have that broader approach While if failure lowers it It means I'm going to move away from that activity The second area that Bandara talks about is this kind of idea of modeling. Modeling is experienced as, if they can do it, I can do it as well. When we see someone succeeding, our own self-efficacy increases. Where we see people failing, our own self-efficacy decreases. This is really fascinating, isn't it? So if those in my world are succeeding, my own self-efficacy can improve. Whereas if those in my world are failing, it will pull me down as well. This process is most effectual when we see ourselves as similar to the model, as similar to the model. Although, not as if influential was direct experience, modeling is particularly useful for people who are particularly unsure of themselves. And I have to go back to my model, my running group here. When I th- when we talk about marketing, so in my business we have marketing as all businesses probably should have, and you know we always kind of do how did you find out about us, and how did you find out about us comes from two methods. Facebook ads works really well for us, so we spend a lot of money on Facebook ads. We used to do Google, but it's not as good. We still do a little bit of Google, but Facebook ads are pretty great for our business. So we get a lot of feedback saying we saw you on Facebook or maybe on Google and or maybe some other you know media that we use, although we don't tend to use it a lot nowadays. And then, so 50% of our our people who buy our product get it from that. But 50% of the people who buy our product get it because someone they knew did the product. And when we look at our 5k product, so when people join Get Up To 5 our 5k product, it's really interesting because what's happened is someone at their work, just like them, who'd never been successful in exercising in their life, comes along, joins our group, and we get them to run 5k. We get them to run 5K, and what what do you think's happening in the head of that person who's sitting beside that workmate who kind of each week you know they might have told you oh I've joined this 5K group and <gasps> a bit scared and all the rest of it, but each week they turn up and oh my god I'm I'm now at week three and I'm kind of running for for two minutes and and then week six oh my god I've, I ran for seven minutes continuously and I did that for, you know or I covered 4K this week or something like that and then at the end of it they run 5Ks. Now this this is really 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 An important thing for you to think about. In your areas where your low self-efficacy is in place, you want to make sure you're modelling or surrounding yourself with people just like you who are being successful. Really important. And that's kind of what it was mind-blowing to me with our business because I couldn't really think of that as an effect. But again, when we look at our marketing, why people join us, 50% of the people who join our business are because we've helped their friends or someone in their world achieve the goal. And what's happened is, in themselves, they've gone, if they can do this, I can do this and their self-efficacy around this area has succeeded. Now knowing this and knowing what we're talking about here, then we also need to be really careful of surrounding ourselves with people who always fail because ultimately what they do is they justify a low self-efficacy in what we are doing. So when we think about modeling, obviously it's really important that you consciously put yourself around people of your ability who are winning, who are being successful, and when I say winning, it's not you know you've gone from doing nothing you're hanging around with marathon runners no it's 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 you're winning you're hanging around with someone who maybe went from doing nothing to going at walking to their life, instead of that person who you know who always goes oh I'm going to start exercising and each week they fail, and so modelling is really important. So first of all the first area was experience and experience is kind of active attainment of developing my ability, but to do that in a way that allows me to be successful, that the real key we're looking for is successful wins along the way. And then to surround ourselves with people of our ability who are winning as well. This next one is a hard one for you to influence yourself, but in some ways I think it may be be really valuable. Social persuasion. Social persuasion generally manifests as a direct encouragement or disencouragement from another person. Disencouragement is generally more effective at decreasing a person's self-efficiency than encouragement is to increasing the efficiency. So that's really important. The people in your world will affect your self-efficacy. The people in your world are going to affect your self-efficacy. And for that reason, you want to be thinking about how you can be around more of the people who are going to lift your self-efficacy. Now, sometimes it's a hard thing because it's, you know, that's like we could say modeling or well, you need to put yourself in front of people so you consciously need to be around the people who are winning or, or experience. You need to kind of make sure you're, you're setting up those wins so you have the experience which just increases your efficacy. But sometimes, you know, social persuasion is a little bit different because how, do you, how can you guarantee that it's going to come? But there's a really important statement here. Discouragement is generally more effective at decreasing someone's self-efficacy than encouragement is at increasing it. So that person in your life who brings you down has more power than maybe the person who can lift you up in this area. So one thing we can consciously do is we, we need to remove those people from our lives who are bringing us down, who are hurting us when it comes to our self-efficacy in, in these areas that we're trying to grow in. And as you think about that area that maybe I said you need to identify, what you want to think about is, who brings me down? And who maybe lifts me up? Now bringing down is more effective, but and and lifting up's not as effective. But if we can surround ourselves with people who can lift us up, then it's going to be more of a win, and it's going to help us build that self-efficacy. And when I think about you know how I would approach this in an area, I would first of all make sure that I get rid of the crap people. I'm, I'm a big believer. If there's crap people in your life, get rid of them. They're just not worth your time. And sometimes it's family. And, you know, if it's family, limit the people in your life. Limit their time with them. But if you find people who do encourage you, be around those people more. But also look for groups. Look for cultures that are going to encourage it. Like with my running business, we try to encourage a culture with our runners that we are all here to support each other. That as a part of being a part of an extra mile runner Your job is to lift the energy And lift the, the support and encouragement Of everybody else in this group That's that's kind of our culture So when, you, when you're You know if you are trying to find an area Where you're trying to build your self-efficacy And you know that actually you've got discouraging people You need to remove those people And maybe inject individuals But also look for co- cultures that are going to lift it as well, because there are cultures out there, there are groups of people who are doing the thing that you want to do, it might be lose weight, it might be exercise, it might be a hobby, it might be career, but there are people out there who are in it for the right reasons, and they want to lift other people along the way in the game, And, and consciously the thing you can control is trying to find that in your journey. The next area is what they call psychological factors, and and I'll read out what they've got here. In stressful situations, people commonly exhibit uh, signs of distress like shakes aches, pains, fatigue, fear, nausea, etc, perceptions of these responses in oneself can markedly alter self-efficiency. For example, getting butterflies in the stomach before public speaking will be interpreted by somebody with low self-efficacy as a sign of inability, thus decreasing the self-efficacy further, whereas high self-efficacy would lead to interpreting such psychological signs as normal and unrelated to the ability. Hmm. Yeah, I love this. This is so basically your psychological factors, things like you know, just responding to how my body is interpreting something will be affected by how my self efficacy is. So if it's low, I'm going to read things like shakes, aches, pains, fear, nausea as oh my god, my ability is not good enough in this situation. Whereas those with high self-efficacy, they they see this as kind of this is normal or, or this is related or this is what you mean. I remember I may have even talked about this in the podcast, but I I read a book of a guy called I'm pretty sure I talked about this in last time's show, but I'm going to tell it again because uh, there's a book. Brendan McCallum was New Zealand cricket captain, and uh, there's a young guy called um, Kane Williamson who's kind of new, who's going to be New Zealand's cricket batsman, best batsman of all time. He's he's an absolute freak, and uh, Kane came along. And I remember in, his, in um, Brendan McCallum's book, he talked about how when Kane came out to the pitch, and it was this high-pressure game, you know, they were under the pump, and, you know, he was like a new batsman in the team, and he came out to the pitch. And, you know, most people would just think, oh, my God, this is high-pressure, pretty stressful. And he turned to his captain, Brendan McCullum and he just said, how awesome is this? And the psychological sign in that situation was, this is normal, or this is actually where I need to be as a person. That high pressure is what I want in my life. And so his the psychological factor is how he responded because he had high self-efficacy was, this is where I need to be. Whereas some of low self-efficacy in those areas, they're going to go, my ability is not good enough. And then what flows on from that? Now, often means they'll push themselves away from it. They make bad decisions. they will probably be very self-aware and so on. So th- th- here we go back to what they've written here. It is one's belief in the implications of psychological response that alters self-efficacy rather than the psychological response itself. Mm, That's really interesting. I'll read it again. It's one's belief in the implication of psychological response that alters self-efficacy rather than the psychological response itself. So, I might have butterflies in the stomach, but it's belief around the the implications of butterflies in the stomach. If I believe that butterflies in the stomach represent that I'm not good enough, well, that's going to have a massive impact on that moment. Whereas I believe that so butterflies in this this is just a part of the experience but actually has nothing to do with my ability, then I'm going to move forward and I'm going to have an experience that builds my self-efficacy. There's a lot here. I'm kind of, as I said, today's show is going to be different, but I think there's a lot here. And, and ultimately, I suppose, if I'm going to put a bit of a challenge to you, so I kind of wrote down a challenge that I could do for you guys around this, is I want you to identify one area of your life where you maybe you have low self-efficacy now some people might have it in all areas of their life some people seriously might have it in all areas of their life and and you need a lot of work if you're in that situation and these things can change It's not. it doesn't have to be forever and if you're willing to do the work these things can change and then some people might just have some areas. You might be really have good self-efficacy in your career. You know, when you see something happen, you you understand your ability and you, and you stretch it slightly higher than your ability and you kind of move towards the growth. Uh, but then you might be really terrible at diet. So there might be, you know, some good areas, some poor areas. But for now, just choose one area that you'd want to go in. And then the second thing I would, So if we go through the kind of his model experience, modelling, social persuasion and psychological factors, is what experiences do you need to have to make you feel successful... And building self-efficacy in this area. Okay, so if you're trying to set this up that you only allow wins, it's interesting. As I think back to my my 5K dream, the product we've created, one of the sessions I do within that is that: How do you start today's run, knowing you will be 100% knowing that you're going to be successful? And it's a really interesting way to approach exercise for those who have been unsuccessful for exercise. Like, how do you start? To, you know, when you start moving. What's the intensity that's going to allow you to be 100% successful in today's run? That's, that's a really interesting way to put, approach it. And that's how I kind of think about, for those of you who have identified the area where you have low self-efficiency, not efficiency, effectivacy. I keep forgetting how to say that word. I did warn you about didn't I? Um, efficacy. Uh, so for those of you who have that in that area, how do you have that approach that I just talked about there. As I move in this area, how do I start in a way where I know I'm going to win? Winning might be low standards, so the, high, the you know for my 5K dream, it might be, you know, you're just doing 30 seconds of light jogging, followed by walking. It's not that you're running a marathon, but that doesn't matter. How do I start knowing I'm going to win? Because what we know here is that the experience of mastery is the most important factor for determining a person's self-efficacy. Success raises it, Failure lowers it. So if you're going in in a way where you start that session going, oh, I might fail today, step it back. Step it back. How do I know when I start I'm going to win? Because if we can build wins, you're going to build. And remember, this is the most important factor in determining self-efficacy. Then modeling. And again, as we talk about modeling, what we're saying is, I need to be modeling people just like me who are successful because this has a big impact. So in the area you've chosen, you want to be surrounding yourself with people who actually are winning, who actually, you know, as you sit beside them, you go, oh, my God, if, if they can do it, I can do it as well. And you see them doing it. Not that all the talk, but they actually fail. We don't know this because those people who fail are actually kind of damaging. So choose – your job is to find those people and, and surround yourself with them. Then social persuasion, I would say – maybe look at the people in your life, look at the two or three people who maybe discourage you and aim to move away from and then try to replace those with people who are good and environments and cultures that are good and then psychological factors, I suppose the last thing I would say is is aim to learn to put better responses in to those psychological, so learn butterflies in the stomach, learn nausea, learn, learn a bit of fear, but also kind of pre-program how you're going to deal with them in a way that focuses on your ability, not what the signs represent. It's good, again, what they said here. It is in one's belief in the implications of psychological response that alters self-efficacy rather than the response itself. So if you think butterfly means I'm not good enough, you need to practice going butterflies means it's just I'm a little bit nervous, but my ability is still strong. Give it a try. I, I I think this is obviously a really important area in life. Like I want you to be the person who, when a challenge comes up, goes, you know what? It's a bit scary, I'm a little bit, you know, a bit of a death. But I believe I can move towards it. And ultimately, if we go back to the beginning statement, self-efficacy is defined as one's ability to um, see one's ability to succeed in a specific situation or task. And if I believe I succeed, I will move towards it. If I have low self efficacy, I'm not going to. And I want you to be the person who, in all areas of your life where you want to be growing, you have self efficacy that makes you believe you can move towards a task. And you learn how to sit on that line. You know, what what we're saying with the research shows the optimal level of self efficacy is slightly above normal ability, my current ability. And, you know, if you keep chasing that in life, where are you going to get to? Pretty awesome stuff. So if you do that, how do I wrap it up? You'll become a better version of yourself. Right, that's pretty much this month. Well this month, this Fortnite show pretty much wrapped up. That's uh, hopefully you got something from that. uh uh, yeah, and somewhat, yeah, I liked it, uh, well, I liked it, I like that kind of theory, and I love this kind of the idea of how to actually change it, and it's kind of what I found quite valuable with that experience model, social persuasion and psychological factors, you know, if you can start to work on those things, on that area you really struggle in, it can be pretty powerful stuff, so just, you know, do the work, do the work, that's, that's, if there's an ending to my show, it should be do the work. Uh, I just think it's really important stuff. And, uh, yeah, so hopefully you got lots out of today's show. Uh, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to www.bevanjamesisles.com. If you're interested in my 5K product, which is called My 5K Dream, go to my5kdream.com. And I have a a cheat sheet, we're calling it. And a cheat sheet is basically a bit of a write-up. I've done around seven tips that it takes to be successful in running 5Ks for a woman between the ages of 35 to 55. So you can check that out. And I'll actually give you more information maybe by the next episode, I'll, I'll, you know, the product will be released. I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, yeah, keep being you. Rock on. If you want to send me an email, just send it bevinjames at gmail.com. And other than that, rock on. And I'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. You know what? I'm going to try my best to get an interview in a couple of weeks. I need to make sure to get it done over the next couple of days, which means... I'm a busy boy team. I'm a busy, busy boy. But it doesn't matter because I love doing what I do and I'll see you guys in a couple weeks time.